I have to be honest with you, uh, speaking and looking from this pulpit and seeing pews without people is hard. And yet, I thank the Lord that I'm able to share God's Word and that you're able to hear this message. <clears throat> I'm doing a series called What Jesus Said. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 48, we read, all the people are listening, hanging on Jesus' words. Another version says, eager to listen, or very attentive, captivated. The Good News translation says, not wanting to miss a single word. Wow. Not wanting to miss a single word. May we have that same desire to intently focus on the words of Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, you know there's so many distractions around us, so many ways to take our eyes off of you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, I pray now that your Holy Spirit will help us to focus intently, to not miss any word from your mouth, Jesus. And help us to be doers and not just hearers. Help us to do your will, to seek you first, and to be a testimony to others. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this is Matthew part two. And uh, I'd like you to turn to chapter seven in Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. This is what Jesus says. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. So I hope a skit is worth a few hundred words. But hold on a moment, because I need to call my wife. I've actually never done this before during a service, but I am going to call her. Hello, Rumbi, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello, honey, how are you? I'm good. Are you supposed to be preaching? Yes, I am, and I want you to know that you're on speakerphone, but hold on just a second. Yes, I, I, Rumbi, I hate to bring this up in front of all the people that are listening, but last night, I found a spoon left in the sink. 
This is unacceptable. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. By the way, when it was your turn to clean dishes, didn't you leave the sink so full that you had to go out and buy plastic plates? Uh, 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 but we're, we're talking about you right now. And actually, last night, I also found one of your socks on the floor. We cannot have this. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. But the last time you waited a month to do wash, and your clothes were so scattered and smelly throughout our home. Uh, 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 but, but the issue here is your sock. Ruby, I'm, I'm being convicted by the Holy Spirit and God's word. I first must deal with my own lack of discipline. Would you please forgive me for not doing my chores? Yes, I forgive you. And don't forget, you promised if I did this kit, you would clean the, the house for three weeks. Uh, I'm sorry, we're getting a bad signal. We're getting a bad signal. I love you. We'll talk more later. Bye. Uh, let's uh, give Rumbi a hand for that. And forget that last part. You didn't hear that last part. It is true that some of Jesus' words can be hard to understand but not Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. He clearly says, do not judge or you too will be judged. So really the main question is, what did he mean by the word judge? Well, in the Greek language, it's a verb that means to distinguish, to decide. Now, on one hand, we judge people all the time. Who are we going to hire? Who will we fire? Who are you going to hang around with? Who are you going to date? Who are you going to marry? Who are you going to have babysit the kids and so on? However, Jesus is talking against a specific kind of judging, a judgmental judging that's hypocritical and self-righteous, one that overlooks one's own faults, failures, and sins to focus on others, one who is eager who is quick to point the finger at others with a pompous posture and the nose up high looking down on other people. That's what Jesus is speaking against. And actually, we should do the opposite. We should walk in humility, and we should first look at ourselves before we look at anyone else. Now, moving on in chapter 7, the Old Testament contains 39 books, 929 chapters, and 23,145 verses. God has given us much to learn from, and we need to set aside time every day to hear God's Word, read God's Word, study God's Word, memorize it, and meditate upon it so we can apply it to our life and tell others the good news about Jesus. But think about that, 23,145 verses. And do you know what Jesus did for us? He took all those verses and he put them all together in one verse. He gave us a summary over all that. I'm going to read verse 12. Jesus said, In everything do to others what you would have them do to you. 
for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, this is so important. I want to read verse 12 again. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So in everything, not a few things, not in things that you enjoy, not in 80%, in everything, do. Not think about, reflect upon, ponder, do. Our response is set by what we want others to do to us. One, no one wants to be lied to, cheated, made fun of, stereotyped, discriminated, abused, and so on. We should ask ourselves, how do we want other people to treat us? Well, if I want others to be gracious, to be merciful, to be kind, to be patient, to be understanding, to be generous, to be supportive, to be loving, then I need to be that way towards other people. What a job description. What an assignment. What a daily objective. And keep in mind, this is a summary of the whole Old Testament due to other people what you would have them do to you. So how are we doing living out the golden rule? Quite possibly, this is the best way for us to have our light shine to those who are outside of God's kingdom. Now, a few verses later, Jesus talks about prophets. What actually is a prophet? Quite simply, a prophet is one who speaks for God. Therefore, a false prophet is one who doesn't speak for God. And let's see what Jesus has to say about false prophets. I'm going to read verse 15, 16, and 20. These are Jesus' words. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus starts off with a warning. Watch out. In the Greek language, the word for this means to pay attention, be cautious, be aware. In the Good News translation, Jesus says, be on your guard against false prophets. Why did Jesus say that? Because these are not harmless people that have merely gone astray a little bit in their teaching. They are dangerous. They are dangerous. However, in sheep's clothing, they can look cute and cuddly. And on the surface, their message can sound kind of good. So if their disguise is almost perfect and their message is kind of good, how can we know who are the false prophets? Jesus says we can recognize, we can identify, we can know the false prophets by their fruit. In other words, by what do they do? How do they act? How do they live their life? Do we see the fruit of the Spirit from them? Do we see them giving glory to God? Are they living according to what the Word teaches? May the Lord help us have wisdom to watch out so we will not be deceived by false prophets. 
Have you ever wondered who will be in heaven? I've thought much about verses 21 through 23. And this is what those verses say. Again, Jesus is speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Who will be in heaven? Jesus says, not everyone. Just because someone comes to Jesus and says, Lord, Lord, that doesn't mean they're going to heaven. That can be confusing because we learn, but we learn that words alone, words without a born-again belief, words without a surrender of the will, words without a life-changing repentance will not get you to heaven. Jesus goes on to say that the only people who get to heaven are those who do God's will. And notice in verse 22, Jesus says, many Many people will say, Lord, Lord, on that day, the day of judgment that all of us will face. So it's not just calling Jesus Lord that gets us into heaven, and it's not prophesizing, it's not driving out demons, it's not performing miracles. Now in my earthly eyes and my human mind, that sounds like a pretty impressive list of accomplishments, but not to Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus tells us why those people aren't going to get into heaven. He didn't know them. They did all these wonderful things, but Jesus says, I don't know you. <clears throat> they did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. For the first 18 years of my life, I learned things about Jesus. I knew things about him, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. God used Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, to help me become a believer. In the contemporary English version, Jesus says, Listen, I am standing and knocking at your door. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together. Now, Jesus grew up in a Middle Eastern culture where to have a meal with someone means you have a relationship with them. Just before I entered college, I opened the door of my life so Jesus could come in as my Messiah sent from God, my Savior. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, I became a new creation because I now had a relationship with Jesus. Back to verse 23. The saddest words anyone can ever hear is for Jesus to say, I don't know you. I must ask, does Jesus know you? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I want to share a story that's in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> First, I want you to picture a large crowd of people all around Jesus. So you have this in your mind, a large crowd all around Jesus. And then a man comes up to Jesus frantically, and he tells Jesus that his daughter is dying, and he asks Jesus to come to his home 
and heal his daughter. So Jesus changes whatever direction or wherever he was, and he starts going with this man. And that large crowd is following and pressing around Jesus. One verse says, the crowds almost crushed him. The Greek word means crowding him from every side. It reminds me of years ago, a taste of Chicago. It was a beautiful day, and there were so many people, you could not move out of the crowd. You just went where the crowd went. So I want everybody to have this image. People are all around Jesus. And all of a sudden, a woman comes up behind him, and she reaches out just to touch the edge of his clothes. She never touches his body. She touches the edge of his clothes. And this woman had a medical problem for 12 years of bleeding. She spent all her money, and all the doctors couldn't help her. She was getting worse. But she heard about Jesus. And it's interesting. We don't know how she heard, who told her. Are we going to tell people about Jesus? And you don't know what's going to happen to them. But this woman said, Jesus can heal me if I just touch the edge of his clothes. And when she touched him, she knew in her body she was healed. And instantly when she touched him, Jesus stopped. He turns around. He says, who touched me? Now the disciples look at him like, what do you mean who touched you? All the people are touching you. And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. And it is true, all the people were touching Jesus, but maybe they were touching him because they wanted to be up close so they could get a front row seat to watch a miracle. But Jesus said, no power came out of me. And this woman came forward and explained what she did. And you know what Jesus said? He called her daughter, go in peace, you're healed. Jesus knows those who have faith and truly believe. He knows those who have faith and truly believe. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus ends this section by giving an illustration that all people and all cultures and all countries can understand. Because he talks about a home. We all know what a home is. And he talks about a storm. And we know what a storm is and what a storm can do. I'm going to read Jesus' words in verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus talks about two people. They had many things in common. They both heard about Jesus. They both wanted to build a house, which is a good thing. And they both went and took the effort and built a house. But there's one significant difference between them. The first man did what Jesus said. He put into practice what Jesus said. He applied Jesus' teachings to his wife, to his life. And by doing that, by living that way, Jesus says, that's a wise man. 
The second man did not do what Jesus said. He did not put into practice what Jesus said. He did not apply Jesus' teachings to his life. And by living that way, Jesus said that man was a fool. The end result of their homes is directly related to what they did with Jesus' words. The man who put Jesus' words into practice, his home was still standing after the storm. The other man who had Jesus' words going one ear and out the other, with no application, his home fell with a great crash. Would you raise your hand if you want to be wise? Would you raise your hand if you want to be wise? That is the lesson here, to do what Jesus says. However, there's two other points I want to mention. The first is a reminder. Just because you do what Jesus says and you're a believer doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times in life. This man went through a storm, a terrible storm. There are some who say, come to Jesus and you won't have any problems. That's not true. They're wrong. Only in Revelation, we find out in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, it tells us that only in heaven is there no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. The other point I want to share is none of us who are believers in Jesus put his words perfectly in practice all the time. I have to speak personally here. I do not do that. I fall short. I am still in process. To grow in our faith means we are growing in putting Jesus' words in practice. And every day I need God's grace and mercy and forgiveness as I try to put God first. Today we've learned five things from Jesus' words. Number one, do not judge others in a hypocritical, self-righteous way. Do not judge others in a hypocritical, self-righteous way. Number two, do to others what you want them to do to you. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Number three, watch out for false prophets. You can know them by their fruit. Watch out for false prophets. You can know them by their fruit. Number four, not everyone is going to heaven. Only those who do God's will and have a relationship with Jesus. Not everyone is going to heaven. Only those who do God's will and have a relationship with Jesus. Number five, even in a storm, we can be wise by doing what Jesus said. Even in a storm, we can be wise by doing what Jesus said. May we love and follow Jesus more and more by God's grace and mercy and for his glory. Amen.